0: Om Shri Guru Namaha Welcome to Vedic Heritage. Many gods or one god? A Hindu typically worships a variety of gods and goddesses. A Hindu also believes that God is in everything and everyone. But if questioned by an outsider, why do you have so many gods and goddesses? Most Hindus do not know the answer. Some Hindus may even be surprised that Hindus too believe in one God alone. If you too wonder, one God or many? Here's the answer. We Hindus follow a way of life which is based on the teaching of the Vedas. For Hindus, Vedas are taken to be the texts of unquestionable knowledge. Therefore, our lives are based on this ancient knowledge and this is where we will find our answers if we want to question our practices and beliefs. Rig Veda tells us Ekam Sat, Vipra Bahudavadanti Truth is one, the wise call it by many names. Vedas give us a very detailed explanation for the creation process, the created worlds as well as the source of creation. According to the Vedas, The universe and its myriad forms and beings are but reflections of one underlying reality Tat Sat that is the absolute reality. This is the reason wise elders in India use Hari Om Tat Sat as a greeting. Hari means that which removes or defeats and Om is the sound of the cosmic vibration. Tat Sat means That alone is real. Repeating this as a greeting reinforces in the mind that there is just one reality. Vedas refer to this absolute reality in two ways. Tat, meaning That or Brahman the Absolute One. The Chandogya Upanishad of the Vedas state Ekam Advitiyam Brahma. Brahman is one without any secondary parts. There is none other than this one eternal unchanging reality. This means that nothing exists other than Brahman. Nothing exists outside of Brahman. Sarvam Brahmamayam Everything and everyone is Brahman. Everything we see and know borrows its existence from Brahman. Brahman is the substratum of it all. When we say underlying reality or substratum of everything, what do we mean? It is usually explained in Vedanta classes using different examples. Let me share some. A gold bangle, golden chain or a ring may have different forms and names, but they are essentially made of the same material, gold. Similarly, while the world and its myriad objects have varied names and forms, their underlying nature is the one supreme reality, Brahman. The space within a pot is the same as the space outside it. It is only the pot which demarcates it and makes it seem separate. So too, Brahman is the one reality underlying all, but it seems covered by various forms. Another example is a clear lake, a dirty pond, a brass vessel and a clay pot. Each reflects the sun's rays. While the sun reflects perfectly on the clear lake, it seems dull when reflected on the dirty pond. The sun seems to make the brass vessel shine. Yet the image is distorted and as for the mud pot, it only manages to catch the light but reflects neither the shine nor the form. Thus, the reflection of the sun varies depending on the surface reflecting it. Another fact to remember in this example is that even though the sun is reflected clearly on a lake, a reflection can never be the sun. The substratum can be compared to a movie screen on which all the stories of various movies unfold. While the screen is real, every movie which runs on it is an illusion. They are just images on the screen. Secondly, the movies can have no existence without the screen. Their existence is dependent on the presence of a screen. But the screen is independent. Thirdly, No matter what type of stories are cast on it, the screen remains unaffected. All these examples explain different aspects of Brahman. Through them we realize that Brahman is the underlying reality which supports all the occurrences of the worlds. While Brahman is real, the worlds are just illusions and stories being cast on it. The created worlds cannot exist without this underlying reality. And most importantly, this absolute reality neither partakes in nor is affected by them. This is why Brahman is referred to as the substratum as well as the silent witness. Shri Adi Shankaracharya sums it up as Brahma Satyam Jagan Mithya. Brahman is the one reality. The world is unreal or only relatively real. Now let us see how Brahman is described so that we can recognize it. We describe any given object or concept only with the knowledge we already have. For example, a sculptor in 1000 AD could depict Ravana's flying vehicle as a chariot drawn by flying horses. Today, a sculptor may sculpt it like an aeroplane, rocket or a spaceship. Similarly, when we describe Brahman, we are limited by our knowledge of what we can perceive through our senses, mind and intellect. Since Brahman is beyond all these, Vedas tell us that Brahman is indescribable, anirvachya. If we do not have the means to know it, then how can the Vedas talk of it? The Vedas follow various methodologies to arrive at the core of existence. Through clear philosophical and logical reasoning, the world we live in is examined. We learn in science that nothing stops existing, everything just transforms from one form to another. Vedas too question, where do the things of the world go when they cease to exist? What is it that gave rise to them? And many more such questions are posed. All these questions lead to one answer. All that we experience are impermanent, they live and die. But there is one unchanging, underlying, absolute reality. This is the screen which lets the stories of our lives run on it. Without it we do not exist. Through its presence we are alive. There are other questions too which are posed. Like, where does a thought arise and where does it subside? What is the source of knowledge which is present even in a baby or a bacteria? Let me answer this through another methodology employed in the Vedas to answer these questions. Meditation. We are told that many rishis through yogic meditation could transcend the conscious and subconscious states and then remain aware in the unconscious state. The unconscious state is when the mind, intellect, and individuality are unconscious. Deep sleep is the unconscious state. It is in this state where there is nothing to be known does one come face to face with awareness. Vedas tell us that awareness is common to all beings. Knowledge is gained through awareness. This underlying awareness is enables us to gain knowledge of our world. The world of conscious and aware beings cannot come from a source lacking consciousness. Thus, this underlying awareness in all is called the universal consciousness, Chit. Chit is the substratum of all knowledge in the universe. Aitareya Upanishad of the Rigveda says, Prajnanam Brahma Brahman is the Absolute Awareness or Universal Consciousness. Thus, Vedas say, Ekam Sat, there is but one reality, and pranyanam Brahma, Brahman is Universal Consciousness. This means that one reality is Universal Consciousness. The Chandogya Upanishad also states, Ekam Advitiyam Brahma, Brahman is one without any secondary parts. There is none other than this one, eternal, unchanging, absolute consciousness. This means that there can be no comparison, no difference and no deficiency. Therefore, the Sat is said to be Pūraṇa, complete. It then follows that being complete in itself, it must be a state of absolute bliss and contentment. This is why Upanishads describe the Absolute One as also being bliss, Ananda. Thus, reality is Absolute Consciousness and bliss, Sat, Chit, Ananda. Although I have explained it in 10 minutes, if this were to be examined and authenticated, it would take yogis and philosophers a lifetime at the least. This reality, which even yogis and scholars struggle to achieve, How can that be approached by you and I? How can the layperson get in touch with this powerful Brahman if they cannot even understand it? So, to include the layperson into this powerful knowledge, ancient Hindus used symbolism. We saw earlier that creation is a reflection of Brahman. It appears to take on qualities and name and form in this vibrant expression that we call worlds or universe or multiverse. This multiverse and its beings are referred to as Saguna Brahman, Brahman with apparent attributes. As Saguna Brahman, it is around us, as everything. This is taken as the fundamental belief of Hindus. Vedas teach us to pray to a tree and ask its permission before we cut it. Vedas tell us to walk softly so that Mother Earth is not stomped on and the creatures below the feet are not crushed. Vedas teach us to pray to mountains and rivers, forests, trees and plants, to honour the cow like your mother, to feed the crows, to invoke the five elements in sacrifice. We do all this because we understand that Brahman shines through all manifestations, animate as well as inanimate. Every day the Hindu pays obeisance to the God within everyone by saying Namaste. I bow down to your divine self. A Hindu understands that even a stone has divinity within because of these traditions. These traditions and rituals make one realize the concept of a unified existence underlying all creation. Such traditions are symbolic representation of the one truth. Manifest as many. Therefore, our traditions are one representation of both one God and many gods. Idol or image worship is the other representation of many gods. The image of a deity in Hinduism is a bimba, the reflection, or a prathima, the personification of the attributes that one associates with the deity, says Swami Parthasardhi. A symbol or image conveys more than just the physical qualities. If I were to say elephant, the mind conjures a majestic animal, strong yet mostly gentle and wise. Yet, without a name or a physical representation, it is difficult to convey these subtle qualities. Similarly, deities of the Hindus are symbols of the one Brahman. Through the different personalities of each deity, varied powers of Brahman are invoked. The prime deities are representations of the Brahman as a whole, the one reality. The Shaktas call it Adipara Shakti, Vaishnavas call it Swayam Bhagavan and Shaivites call it Sri Shiva. It does not matter what name you call it by, they all indicate the same truth that there is but one substratum. Then to show that all creation came from this Supreme One, the three main processes within creation are also symbolized and personified as gods. Shri Brahma, Creator, Shri Vishnu, Preserver, and Sri Shiva, Destroyer. And the powers of these gods are their consorts, the female forms. The power to create is Goddess of Knowledge, Shri Saraswati Devi. The power to sustain is Goddess of Wealth, Shri Lakshmi Devi and the power to destroy and regenerate is goddess of strength and compassion, Sri Parvati Devi. The relationship between the Absolute Brahman and the Saguna or the Reflected Brahman is depicted as Ardhanari, a form of deity where Shiva is one half and Parvati is the other. Similarly, each deity represents a power or a virtue, Ganesha, wisdom, Dakshinamurti and Hayagriva, spiritual knowledge and guidance of a guru, and so on. Even primal elements are worshipped as gods. Agni, god of fire, Varuna, god of water, Vayu, god of wind, and so on. Their powers are represented as their weapons or objects held in their hands. Saraswati Devi holds the Veena, symbolizing all the arts. Shiva holds the Trident, symbolizing past, present and future. Even their vehicles signify the powers under their control. Ganesha sits on a rodent, a hoarding animal of intense desire. Sitting atop it, he symbolizes how wisdom can reduce the size of desires and be its lord and control it. In this manner, a great directory of symbols and their meanings are seen in the Temple Agama and Shilpa Shastra texts. And to explain all this to the layperson, a series of stories the Puranas have been formulated. In the Puranas, Asuras are the villains who are defeated or destroyed by the gods and goddesses after an arduous struggle. They depict the delicate balance between benevolent and destructive forces in nature and how balance will always be restored. Spiritual teacher Sri Aurobindo says, The gods, goddesses and asuras mentioned in the Vedas represent various cosmic powers on one hand and man's virtues and vices on the other. Each deity in Hinduism denotes a particular energy. These energies are present in man as wild forces and externally as natural forces. Within oneself, they must be controlled and channelized fruitfully to infuse a divine consciousness in him. Externally, they need to be approached with reverence to help the inward path. Personifying these universal energies helps us to connect easily with the underlying reality which is the source of all of them. We can love the rugged Shiva, cry to the compassionate Parvati, appeal to Ganesha to solve our problems or beseech Vishnu for Moksha. We develop a relationship with this underlying reality and engage with it till the day we realize that we too are this one. This realization of the self is mentioned in the Upanishads as Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. With this, I conclude the answer to the question posed at the beginning of the episode, One God or many Gods? Yes, it is one. You can call it God. And this one can be represented by many. But if you do not want to call it God, it is okay, because God is only our name for it. But you cannot deny the presence of this underlying one once you have begun an inquiry into the nature of the universe. Whether in the form of traditions or as deities, all symbolism is meant only as a path to realization. Symbolism is that beautiful tool perfected by the Hindu ancients which has ensured the preservation of our great knowledge through simple formats, customs, traditions and stories to be carried forward through generations. The Vedic knowledge has survived the rise and fall of many a kingdom, the dark ages of ignorance, conquests and loss of faith. Hundreds of thousands of texts may have been lost or burnt or burgled, but much of its essence has remained alive in the mind of the masses, through these various practices imbued with symbolism. I have shared links in the descriptions to the meanings of the Stotram, which are an exquisite example of the richness of meaning hidden in the Puranic stories. Those interested may check it out. I leave you with this beautiful verse from the Nirvana Shatkam by Jagatguru Sri Adi Shankaracharya. Aham nirvikalpo nirakararopo Sarvatra sarvatrasarvendriyanam Nacha sangatan naiva mukterna meyaha Chidanandarupa shivoham shivoham I am changeless and without any form. I am present everywhere as the underlying substratum of everything and as the witness behind all the sense organs. Neither do I get attached to anything nor get freed from anything. I am the ever-pure, blissful consciousness. I am auspiciousness. I am auspiciousness. Hari Om Tat